Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Dan Selke and Corey Thone. We think that Corey Smith may be joining us tonight, later on. But (laughs) either way... It's always a dramatic mystery. That is. It is. And you'll you'll be the first to know because he'll crash right into us so um let's talk uh right off the jump let's get right into watchmen and um cory Thone, we haven't heard from you in about a month so uh, i'm gonna let you start off with your initial thoughts from the episode and feel free to jump around the episode as far as you like, you can even go back a couple of episodes we we kind of been doing one every other two every two weeks or whatever so please feel free to uh get into it sure well, I just want to say off the top, I really enjoyed the show. Uh, I think it's probably worth a rewatch. It is uh, perfect as – well, not perfect. It's perfect as is, though. I don't want a season two. I think that it needs to be mm. done. I know Good that Lind- Lindelof like, has said that he created it to be a, a one-season thing, and if HBO wants to do something else, then they'll have to probably do it without him, I think, which is fine because he clearly ran out of ideas by the end. And uh, – <laughs> and I, I still think it was really good. It was it was a lot of fun. It was bold. Yes. You know we're gonna we're gonna talk later in the show assuredly about a uh, a certain franchise that is becoming very critiqued for its toothlessness. And I uh, Star Wars. And I think that <laughs> Watchmen was so toothful. That's not the right word, but like. I remember when it happened, we discussed the Hooded Justice retcon and how dope that was and how, you know, I didn't see that coming. And it was such a cool way to to kind of retcon stuff in the original comic. But at the same time, some of the stuff they retconned in in the comic to make it work in the show kind of came to a head in the last two episodes, especially with Dr. Manhattan and Ozymandias to an extent. And it didn't didn't work. Um, The Dr. Manhattan stuff didn't work. Like it, I liked the episode with the flashbacks enough. That was seeing how he got in with Angela and everything. Like that's fine, whatever. I know there are a lot of critics out there and reviewers who like are tired of the flashback trope because it is played out, and I fully get it. But I thought they handled it pretty well. It was a competently told flashback thing, but they never really were able to explain why Doctor Manhattan didn't just move out of the way of the blast gun why he died mm. like it it doesn't it's trying to explain it that like dr manhattan oh he's, he's not a puppet he can just see the strings that's completely false like the in the comics which is this you know show is based off the comics right and in the original comic adrian had to create a way to shield his actions from dr manhattan because he would stop him if he could right uh-huh. And in the show here, like, obviously they had him have a blank space where he was with Angela, which I don't even know if I want to get into, like, why in the hell? But, like, why Angela? Whatever. But um, after he got out, he knew that the 7th Cavalry was outside. He could have just stamped his fingers and, and blown them all up and saved his life, you know? Yeah, why didn't he grow 100 feet tall and just shoot them all with lasers? Because, because it's it, when it's all said and done... The same criticisms that were levied at the Watchmen movie that Zack Snyder made that were fairly valid, that it like kind of missed the mark on the amb- ambiguity of the characters and stuff that was in the co- in the comic. 
um, the when it's all said and done, the show really wasn't that ambiguous with the characters at the end. Angela was good, you know, the Seventh Cavalry bad. Doctor Manhattan, yes. you know, was uh, mm-hmm. whatever. Like it just there wasn't anything for a show that started out the way it did. And I thought, man, they're really getting into the to the weeds with this, like the idea of playing with characters and an environment. It all kind of landed pretty Hollywood safe with the good guys winning and the bad guys dying. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was fun to watch. I mean, it, it all came together. You know, we have my my criticism was I don't think like I, I thought there was sort of a mismatch between the themes they were working with. Like, I was really interested in all the stuff about America's racial past. When, when we open with the Tulsa riots, I think. Easily the strongest episode, I think, unquestionably, is the Hood of Justice long ass flashback scene. Agree. And then by the end, it, it it you're right. It, it did kind of fold back into sort of a retread of Watchmen. There's a psychopath who's not really well developed, Lady True. I mean, she's nice enough, but I, that that's my problem. That Lady True and the Seventh Cavalry, like neither of them, that they were kind of mustache twirlers in the end. They weren't really that deep. Whereas a lot of the other characters really were. And uh, the original comic house in Mandius is this kind of morally ambiguous figure. But you're right. Th- th- there was no really ambiguity there. I was very entertained. I mean, as a giant, uh, you know, glass ball or whatever that was, crushes Lady True. That's fun. Uh, goo, the white supremacist being goo, just being all goo and tumbling out of the thing was a good time. Lasers. It was, it, it was all a good time. I liked the final bits with the grandfather. I, I just I thought that they were like going with something thematically denser, and it kind of ended up being a little shallow but fun in the end. Yeah, it was. There's no doubt that it was a gorgeous episode. Um, but then again, did did we really? I mean, there were so many questions that felt unnecessarily unanswered. Like you guys have hit the points right. already, but like Lady True is the biggest pr- problem for me. Um, I, I wanted to dig into that character more. We got, it seems like, like you had Angela coming in and out of the entire season and sometimes she'd be on the shelf. Sometimes she'd be in the middle of it. And then you had, but Lady True was always the character that got like one good episode. Right. And that was the final episode. Did we know about her? Sure. But she didn't have the combative witty remarks moments like, uh, Angela and Blake had. Um, we didn't have a one-off origin. Well, we I guess the finale was her origin story. It was. Uh, like, yeah, it was. I, I'll, I'll I'll step back on that one because we had that with Looking Glass. But you know, I don't know. I I kind of felt like there needed to be more with, I guess True and Vite. I guess maybe, and they explained things quickly. But like, I don't know if you guys felt this way, and this is something that I'd like to know. Do you guys felt like, um. It was unnecessary to cut it off at nine. I mean, unnecessary? No. I mean, you could do whatever you want. I think it could have benefited from more depth to True and the whatever the senator's name was, Keen. Keen, yeah. They both felt a little, again, like mustache twirly to me. Um, but it all wrapped up. I mean, the plot points were like the 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 loops were closed. It worked, but it, it just wasn't as thematically ambitious as I was hoping it would be. True, true, or Lady True, whatever. Um, so yeah, I get it. Uh, so without, um, you know, I know Smith's got some thoughts on this, and 
if he's if he joins us in time, great. If not, then oh well. But um, so uh, Dan, I would like to know um, if you had a moment to pick um from anywhere throughout the uh, season, or if you just want to hit the finale, or your favorite episode, which was six, I believe you said. Um, ah. what was your favorite standout? This moment. Uh, yeah, moment. I'm gonna go yeah. with probably when they had the point of view shot of uh, Reeves being lynched, and you're like in his point of view, and they string him up, and just God, wow. it was suffocating. It was horrible. I I loved it, and I dreaded it. That whole episode was very very impressive. Like I loved that episode because it kind of followed him along this journey, and you kind of like you felt very much with him, even though there was little said. I just understood the decisions he was making, like when he decided to put the mask on and intervene anyway. Like, I got it. Like, okay, you can't show your face because you were just strung up by your own co-workers. Like, you can't show your face anymore. But you're going to be here anyway. I thought that was wonderful. And again, I was kind of sad that he was a little sidelined, in the time, but he didn't really play into the final episode in a huge way because that deepened that character so much. And that's what I was like, used to, right? I was looking forward to, okay, I see the ways the show is going to go. We're going to introduce these people, and then they're going to deepen them with these flashbacks throughout, and we're and, and they're going to be new people, like like uh, with Looking Glass, like turned into an interesting character immediately with that flashback episode, the one that centered around him, William right. Reeves, like was kind of like a, a cipher, a mystery, and that episode filled him out so beautifully, um, and, we, and we just didn't get that for a couple of the key players, and um, so I thought the, the finale was a little shallower than it could have been. But yeah, the entire flashback 1930s New York City episode, just just such a deep well of references the show had, drawing on like real life historical events that are important, but don't get mentioned a lot or like taught a lot. I did not know about the postal race ride before the show. I'm sorry to say that I didn't. I, I had not learned about them and I hadn't researched myself. Um, it took it took me absolutely having to go back uh, when we were writing the the run up to Watchmen and we were covering all the articles. I was like, wait a second, the Tulsa riots. Okay, I think I remember something a little bit about this, but I had to go back and read everything. Like I was buried really? in the wiki. Yeah, like and, I was and, just and very knowledgeable about TV too and about comic history, which the original Watchmen is very much about that too. Modern politics, it's like plastered all over it. It was an extremely rich show. Um, I would be up for a season two if they get the right idea. I think Lindelof said it would be it, it wouldn't be like the same it, it would be like he, the, what he said it would be like season two of The Wire, where uh, I know we like The Wire here. Where yeah. the my ears and Bones just... ears just perked up. <laughs> yeah, The Wire. The Wire. The Wire. Guess The Wire. <laughs> His idea would be okay. Yeah, if we did a second season, it'd be like The Wire, probably where these characters like might make an appearance, but it would shift to something different. It would be another a different story, different characters, different situations. And they might be on, on periphery. That was his idea. And I'd be like, I'd be into that. That could work if you get the right idea. Yeah, phone. An anthology type Watchmen series. Would you be up for that? Mm, I really don't know if. It, I mean, I guess at this point, they've already introduced so many of the traditional characters, and we know that Night Owl is in jail. So I guess you could, yeah. you could do a Night Owl thing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say just stop. Like, someone on Reddit or Twitter somewhere had a screenshot of the uh, Evangelist foot about to hit the water and then had the um, 
the last shot of Inception with the top spinning <laughs> and was like, uh-huh. it was it was better not knowing. And I agree, because if they make a second season of this and it doesn't start with Angela standing on the water, then like that or falling in or falling in. Yeah, then that's kind of a cop out, too. So I I don't know. Yeah. if that's I don't know if that's the right avenue to take. I just think that they I think that they created something really unique. Yes. And almost almost impossible to recreate. I don't want to bring I don't want to like bring um, True Detective up because I think season three was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But season one was truly lightning in a bottle. You know, caught McConaughey in the beginning of the McConaissance and got him with Woody and you had, you know, uh, uh, oh, my God, I, the director, I can see his face. Uh, Lots of that. Help me. Someone help me. Please don't make me Google it. I feel like a jackass right now. Nick, uh, what's his name? No, the not the Lotto, the director. Oh. This is before he kind of got snatched up by Kerry Fukunaga uh, before he got snatched up by Hollywood to start doing more ah. mainstream stuff. So he had Kerry Fukunaga direct every episode. Pizzolatto had a script and a concept he'd been sitting on for like six years. And so you know, everything post that has not lived up to it, even if it is pretty good, like season three, I really feel like they should just not. But at the same time, and, and it's not like this show was just crushing the ratings either. Yeah, like, it was, like it, was it, it was doing fine. The, the finale was the highest rated uh-huh. 1.6 million. And obviously they're going to get more views on streaming and rewatching and stuff. But I think that's I mean, it's. Don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, as Americans, we're so conditioned to like. What do you mean the show is only a season long? That's ridiculous. This, this goes on forever, right? But um, yeah, yeah. But perhaps it's time for. Uh, I've I've said for a while that I think we'd benefit from more self-contained one season long stories. But you know, Hollywood might have different ideas. They want to keep things going, even though sometimes it's better to just end it uh, with one really good piece of work and walk away. But I'm not sure if, uh, can, can we do that? We'll see. That's the problem is, can we consume just one season and be satisfied? Even, um, not even us, just like HBO, now that AT&T's bought them. I can think maybe ooh, HBO in the past would have just left it at one, but HBO now with AT&T, I don't know. Corporate think, Daddy wants to make more more seasons, as John Oliver puts it. I think that it. they could. I think they could maybe get away with it if if they spun it the way that I was framing it. That there's I don't have an idea that is gonna be on par with season one. How about instead you let me make a pitch for this other show I have, and and Pretty it's fun. a show and it's a show that actually could run three to five seasons or something uh-huh. instead of that. Like like I. I really think that there is value in these. I mean, HBO does limited series stuff, so just treat it like that. You know, I don't know. I, I just, I really, I liked so, I liked so much of the world building. I didn't think they stuck the landing. Uh, there were a lot of questions that didn't get answered. Obviously, the internet is, you know, making a joke out of Lube Man. But uh, I'm glad that didn't get I mean, answered. Who cares? That was fun. I mean, do you guys? I don't know if you guys read PDpedia or not. Yeah, but yeah, and I mean, it was PD. I mean, yeah, it was it's obvious. 
Uh, but you know, but there's, there was a, just... there's a whole there's a whole mythology with that though, the fog dancing book and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Which yeah, and really cool. that's all really fun. It's all fun. I'm a fan of that kind of stuff. I truly am. It makes me enjoy shows even more. It's like that's I think if I would have just never gotten to know you guys and just watched Game of Thrones without knowing anything about the lore, <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, that last season was fine. But uh, it's because of that kind of shit is the reason I'm still so mad about it. Uh, but yeah, I I guess we're all kind of circling back <coughs> to. Well, I, I had a question for you though before yeah. we like. Okay, so you mentioned at the top of this that you weren't. I don't know if you said this specifically, but you're not. You weren't a fan of Cal Hatton. No, I wasn't a fan of a. I wasn't a fan of him just being a blue painted person. I thought that looked like shit in a show that had great special effects. I really. I liked it. I thought they needed to make his eyes all white. That was my one complaint about something. Cal it just it's looked cool. like a motherfucker in blue paint to me, and it did I, sort of look like it. Yeah. <laughs> and and now that being said, that guy Tehey, I can't say his name. Yeah, know, don't even try. He uh, oh, oh, where the hell is this guy, man? Because he he's true. Aquaman. <laughs> I never saw Aquaman. So was was his monster dong out in Aquaman too, or was that just? On the that show. monster dong got some nice close-ups. It like, did. I, they were not I'm afraid you, to go there. Reddit is pretty like the the watch on Reddit is pretty convinced that it's his. So I don't know. I mean, and, I'm I'm going to I'm just gonna say you know hope I hope it is yours, my guy. Like you 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 live that life. Hey, congratulations. Yeah, round of applause. Maybe he but, insisted on a close <laughs> pan down. It's I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I I just think that there was a uh, yeah the the Cal Hatton st- I don't understand why he like someone said he I didn't think the show did a necessarily a great job explaining it I think it does make sense that you know Doctor so the timeline is Doctor Manhattan goes to uh, Europa to create life because humanity is flawed and bores him he creates a life there and they and he talked about this and, and it was like because there was no actual humanity within them it was terrible right it was born he left so he oh, left God. and he put and he put Vite there so Vite wasn't even in prison like we all thought that 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 was his punishment and instead it was just a reward like, yeah, i'll go there and then he gets there and he's like oh this sucks and so he spent the whole time trying to escape and he he made the game warden and everything himself like oh, i was that was i thought that was lame as <laughs> shit i yeah, like that i like that i liked it i don't mind that bit that was fun it had the great line of you know was i worthy of <laughs> No, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so, but it, they, and so he comes back to Earth. I don't know, really don't know why he picked Angela. The show would make you think that he had always picked Angela. There's still got to be a, it, do, it doesn't make sense. But um, so he wanted to like regain his humanity, so he took away his Manhattanness, I guess, and it helped. I don't know, I, whatever. Like. It was like, the most painful way like, to uh, come become Doctor Manhattan once again. I gotta just break his skull open. <laughs> like that, I all got. I enjoyed Cal Hatton. I thought that. I mean, it made sense as much as anything. Doctor Manhattan makes sense, which is. True. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's one of those you know time travel paradox things that never really quite. We're gonna think about him hard enough, but it worked for me when I was watching it. And now that I think about it, that. Sure, he's president at every point in time. He loves Angela because she did something really nice for him years and years after they met. But he's already in love with her because he can't tell it on the screen. Now and then, in the future, in the past, and yada, yada, yada. I had no problem with any of that. I thought they were, they were sort of really sweet, the uh, 
the romance episode. I enjoyed that quite a bit. I do think he looked dumb. I thought visually they should have given him all the, the whited out eyes. Like that was one step too far. It's and they a, only they only gave him the whited out eyes when he was glowing. When he unglowed yes. himself, the eyes back to normal, and he just it then really he was just, just a blue paint man. You're you you're, you're right. I, I think if they had given him all white glowing eyes and just the rest, it would have worked. And I feel like a bitchy little bitch boy when I'm like, it didn't look very good with the, but like it really did look good. <laughs> but other than that, there there were lots of dumb Hollywood things like how. The frozen squid were able to penetrate steel, but not the Yeti lid that Angela ran under. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, whatever. What I mean, but like at I mean, that like, point, at that point, you're either on board or you're not, you know. And and I don't want to. And I was on board, so I give the show a little more leeway uh, with stuff like that. Like whatever. Like maybe one just didn't hit her. Maybe she got lucky, you know. So whatever. I think there, and there was irony. You know, obviously it's a callback. To- to the Tulsa Massacre, when people are raining down fire from above, and now it's happening again with frozen squids. Like, they knew what they were doing script-wise. I just didn't think it went as far as it could. I, um, we've talked about, I've talked about this with Corey Smith, and, um, he said something to the, he said, (laughs) he said something to the effect of, uh, the, the finale kind of ruined the entire, uh, season. I disagree with that, but, um, like, um, his his problem was, and he said it before, is he's always had a problem with Lindelof uh, running the show. And I bet when he jumps on here, and eventually he's going to say something to that effect. You guys feel like Lindelof got in his own way here? Because I didn't. I, you know, like Dan, you mentioned the fact of time travel. Like you had no problem with time travel. I mean, anytime you do time travel, and here's Corey Smith now. Anytime you do time travel, it's going to. Um, I, I can't remember the last show I saw that really did time travel any justice. You know, like it's, Rick it's and Morty a, having some fun. Like, well, time I'm, I mean, I'm talking about the answer is Game this. of Thrones because oh, you could yeah. travel. You could travel from <laughs> you know Winterfell to King's Landing and back. You know, and and nobody, everybody's still <laughs> eating the same piece of pizza. So <laughs> still drinking the same cup of coffee. Hey. Yeah, no, I uh, that's funny. I I do think Rick and Morty is the last one to because it just happened in the last like two weeks. What was <laughs> but, the what was that movie Ryan Johnson made? Looper. Looper. Looper was pretty good. Well, I'm they talking, handled, well, I thought they did cool. time travel pretty good. I agree, Ryan. Yeah, the yeah. Looper was really good. The funny thing about Rick and Morty was that the whole episode like had the point that time travel is a failed plot device because if you think too hard about it it just completely crumbles. And because, uh, like, it, I don't know if you guys saw the episode. I don't want to get into it, but there's lots of snakes, and they eventually the snakes form their own version of Terminator, and they send a Terminator back to kill Morty, but then they send another Terminator back to stop that Terminator, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden the room just starts exploding with snakes being teleported as they kill a Terminator, <laughs> Another one just immediately teleports into the room because why wouldn't you just keep sending Terminators until the job was done? And why wouldn't you just keep sending Terminators until the to protect him until he's protected? Like, it's just a constant. It's never going to end. Yeah, and, I think uh, comedy time travel is better than drama time travel. Uh, though I like now that Watchmen and Game of Thrones both have like time travel adjacent plots like Bran and Hodor and Holbador and all that stuff. And. Like, Dr. Manhattan doesn't exactly time travel. Like, he exists in all spaces at once, yada, yada, yada. I feel like 
they're trying to have some time travel cake and eat it as well. And again, I thought it worked. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have any problem with Dr. Kel Hatton knowing he was in love with Angela years before he technically arrived at that moment because he's already there, you guys. Yeah, and I was a little bummed that we didn't get more of Manhattan acknowledging Lori. I just, yeah, she, like there was she, zero. Like they had these really good characters, like Lori and Looking Glass, and, and even Ozymandias, who were really great, but I didn't think like they really played into the. They didn't do shit. All that much. Ooh, yeah. and, ooh, and in fact, ooh, that's ooh, actually we me. haven't got to that yet. No, hang on. Uh, Ozymandias getting knocked out by Wrench was stupid as shit, and I yeah. am very annoyed by it. And in fact, in the entire Ozymandias storyline. When you look at it in Toto, uh, was useless. It didn't come to as much as we were kind of set up to think it would come to. He yeah. changed his character developed exactly zero percent from the first episode. In the first episode, we see that he has lost his mind, and uh, because he he's he's killing, uh, or maybe that was the second episode. Whatever, he's killing his clones. Don't know their clone jet, uh-huh. whatever. He's killing them, and then. Uh, in the last episode, he's still the exact same level of a narcissist and everything else. There was no – the only reason he decided to save the day was because Bunny Colvin, wire reference, told him that everybody, <laughs> had, everybody had forgotten about him and moved on to Lady True. And so that was that was the only reason. It was his narcissism, which like that – you didn't need to have him in eight episodes to remind us that Ozymandias is a narcissist. So Yeah, I would say you would take about three episodes to get to the point where he had a backup plan – a plan B for Dr. Manhattan. Like – uh. With with the little ring to put in his forehead, like that was that was Vice. So there was. Right, so, his... so here's here's the question now. Smith's here. I know he has thoughts, but he was late. So how much time do we give him? I think that um, he's got to earn his every minute. He starts off with one, and if he makes a good point, he gets another one. <laughs> well, you've got one minute, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure. I'm like Dr. Manhattan. I'm here all the time. Uh, ooh. Ooh. No, uh, just building off what you were saying. Uh, I, just I just like... an update. An update, Smith. You now have 40 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I I felt like most of the people's storylines were underutilized when it was all said and done. I was not a huge fan of the finale as, as, as what it kind of retroactively did to the rest of the episodes. Um, like, I just feel like having the whole thing centered around stealing Dr. Manhattan's powers and around Dr. Manhattan in general, I felt like we'd kind of done that in the graphic novel. And so when the series started, I was, I was, I was more hopeful that we would see kind of what effect the superheroes had on a greater society, you know, decades later. Right. And it kind of seemed like we were getting that at first when we, you know, we're going to go into the, the thing with the police wearing masks and their mm-hmm. guns being locked up. And then, you know, I thought we were going to get a, a kind of a, like, you know, with Lori, you know, what that had effect on her down the road. And then the stuff with looking glass, like obviously he had a lot of PTSD and he's living with it and hiding it from everybody, but it was still affecting him. But then all of that just kind of went to the wayside and really it was, ultimately just about stealing Dr. Manhattan's powers. And I just, I don't know, the payoff for me wasn't, it, it wasn't terrible, but I just, I was hoping for something more because it started off so interesting and we yeah. just kind of climaxed that let's steal Dr. Manhattan's powers. And I don't know. 
I, I agree more or less. Yeah, that, that, that it was a lot of rich build-up to a pretty conventional ending, which is more of what we've been saying here. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. I, I mean, think, and, uh, uh, something you said, Smith, just kind of reminded me of a conversation I'd had with a, a friend of mine who is uh, black, so I am cool. Uh, but no, I, I was talking to a friend of mine, you know, we're all white guys, and I think that one thing yes, we kind of have, 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 yeah, unfortunately, it's the rules of podcasting, so we... Uh, <laughs> You mentioned PTSD and my my friend who is also I have not seen The Leftovers, uh, but he is a fan. And he said that The Leftovers and Watchmen kind of play with this idea of shared collective trauma. And uh, you mentioned seeing how the effect of superheroes, what it would do to, you know, an advanced society like or not advanced. You know what I mean? Like modern society, the superheroes right. from the past. And I think we did get that, like like Corey said in, in earlier episodes, but we also, I really feel like, didn't get deep enough into the the Seventh Cavalry and like Judd, like Judd Crawford. Yes. So he, yeah, so but, Judd Crawford was just a racist old guy. But was all. he? Like, he said, like, I'm trying racist? to help you, but but we, we but, but what the Seventh Cavalry had zero no noble goals. There wasn't like a single thing that they were talking about providing. They were just racists and. There wasn't see, an yeah, impact. and there that's what I'm a... saying. Like just everything. I mean, like so. So hang on. Let me, let me almost... speak it to the. I don't, I don't, I don't want to forget what I was Go saying. Ahead. The the idea of the collective trauma that like African Americans have in this nation, right? That the show definitely opened with and dealt with several times with like Luke Gossett Jr.'s character and Angela and everything else. And for them to just kind of, I, I feel like they just kind of dropped that by the yes. end and just were like yeah you know racism is bad guys and it's like yeah it, we, it we, started we, dropping at, at episode six is that's probably where you finally had your last episode where it was really uh prevalent is episode six and then you went into seven with the love story uh well but the pre-love story and then eight was a love story and then nine was the finale so there you go i mean I th- again i think the fact that william reeves was again like I thought the richest character they had, and I, I, I completely agree with that, by the way. But yeah, that that was the hook. That was, you're going to go there, you HBO show made by a white guy, you're going to go there and talk about the history of racism in America and, like, really and I, dig into it? And that and, and that was so that was so electrifying and so bold. And, and then I know the we end, talked about that in the beginning, and then, yeah, and I just feel, I wanted to say, I feel like we all, all four of us here haven't really brought that up because, you know, we are crackers and uh they that is something that i think we're gonna see more people start to like highlight uh you know as reviews kind of settle in is that they really kind of opened or great out the gate opening up those issues and then not having like a point to opening it up maybe follow through it doesn't yeah. follow through I like that you said that, Dan. I like that you said HBO. We're really going to try this HBO run by a white guy. And this is the same network who seriously consider Confederate. So there you go. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. they were doing a good job. Like, again, to my uh, to my white eyes, like I was invested and very interested in what they were talking about. And then, yeah, and then the climax involves, you know, a not very well-developed um, megalomaniac character trying to take over the world, which didn't really touch any of those rich themes they were dealing with, which is what I was most disappointed in. And William Reeves, who was the character who kind of carried the torch for the whole idea of shared trauma, like spent the entire thing in a theater and not on screen. 
Smith, I know you were dying to no, chime in. No, I mean, here. no, I mean, y'all just made all my points for me, assholes. All right. Um, no, great. Yeah, that I means mean, you don't have to talk, right? Yeah, Which is why on. you only got a minute. Boom. No, I mean, yeah, I think you can just point to any plot point other than Manhattan and be like, we didn't go anywhere with any of them, you know? And like what you were saying about Judd Crawford, I mean, was he a racist? Because he was super chummy with Angela. But that was all so. I mean, Keem was super, like, super what, chummy with everybody I, too. I get that, but like, what was the, what would have been the point of him pretending to be oh, her friend to oh, the point where he came on. over to dinner? Hang on, it's because he knew that Cal was Manhattan. Because on the exactly. night of the, on the night of the killings, the the when the Tulsa police all got attacked, that's when they found out that Doctor Manhattan. Right. Okay. See, himself. and yeah. I, I guess that makes sense. I don't know. I just. When the finale came around, I was just I was hoping for more than like, hey, we're gonna steal Doctor Manhattan's powers, and like Lady True, it's like, you know, she spent how many years? Like, what was? And then her mom, what was the deal with her mom? She just randomly decided to inseminate herself with Ozymandias's semen, like, and then well, wouldn't you? If you had a chance, wouldn't you? She didn't seem to like him very much, <laughs> but she knew he had a good brain. She was yeah, like a vengeance he's Oz, daughter. He's Aussie fucking Mandius. I mean, best brain. I don't know. I just the, <laughs> the whole the thing brain. was just like we we didn't get a whole lot of payoff, and and I I mean I understand it's Lindelof, and we're not going to get every question answered, but I really liked where the series was going in the in the beginning, and I mean this is kind of this ties into there's this movie coming out um, called Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker, and really? um, that whole series is the same thing. It's like we're it's like we're just retreading the same ideas almost and i really wish we would have explored something separate from dr manhattan like i would have been perfectly fine if he was not a part of the series at all um and we just you know we were exploring all the issues that it seemed like we were going to explore at the be you know in the in the first two or three episodes instead of you know flipping back over to to manhattan and i you know i think that Manhattan was kind of a crutch from a storyline point, right? I think Manhattan like, was a hindrance. Like I think well, once once I they agree. introduced Manhattan, it boxed the show in now. around that. Yeah, yeah, kind of like have to deal with the uh, the the god on the room. If you include him, he's got to yeah, be a you, part. You can't the, reveal Doctor Manhattan and not deal with him every episode after that. It's the yeah. reason that there will probably never be a good Superman movie. Good point. Superman's only powers are things they haven't thought to have him do yet. <laughs> like are only non-powers. I'm sorry. I'm really I'm really messed up on. Well, the way stuff, you but... beat Superman obviously is to have both moms be Martha. I mean, you yeah. laugh, but but in real but realistically, even in like the comics where Batman did beat Superman by like having all this insane Batman shit, you know. Like in, in movie with fa movie fans who aren't on board with some of the stuff comics do, there really isn't like a way for Batman to beat Superman unless he has like it, they couldn't just have Batman beat him up. You know what I mean? Like because yeah. he's because he's Superman. So like it's just it, it ruins it ruins everything. And so Manhattan coming in really hurt the show, I think. And I understand why they did it. Because, I mean, it's a huge part of the book, but man. But no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I really wish they hadn't had him come in. It's just like with, 
with Rise of Skywalker. I haven't seen it yet, so <laughs> I could be completely wrong. It but I hate the fact that they have included the Emperor in, in the film. Like, I yeah. really wish they would have gone. I mean, Supreme Leader Snoke is the stupidest fucking name I've ever heard of for a villain. But I really wish they would have stuck with him and that had been the point. You know what I mean? Because it's like, let's let's do something new and let's do something different instead See, of that's, just... Now, now we're going to get... See, that's the thing, is that that's what The Last Jedi, for all of its faults, tried to do. They got, rid of, the, they got rid of the stupid emperor, you know, a d- disfigured, you know, mystical Sith Lord. They just got rid of him and said, that's actually not the point of what this trilogy is going to be. Mm-hmm. It's going to be about Rey. It's going to be about Kylo. And it's going to be about them and the force between what Luke talked about, like how the force doesn't depend on you. The force is. And like, and, and, and granted, The Last Jedi has lots of shit that doesn't work. I... I liked the movie. I defend the movie to Star Wars nerds. There are there are things in it that don't work, but but as a whole, the one thing you couldn't say about Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi is that it wasn't toothless and it wasn't chicken shit. Like it really went for it, and and it, he and also, it wasn't a retread. It wasn't a retread exactly. Yeah. And he he made it he made it a point. And that's the thing I've tried to explain to people. When they say, because the, the, one of the go-tos is, yeah, but the whole Casino Planet storyline was, uh, was a huge waste of time. Well, no, it wasn't. You just don't understand what he was saying with that. Is that <laughs> this and, – and that makes me sound like a pretentious ass. But, <laughs> but the, the fact is – Oh, you is do that, that all by yourself. Yeah, that's fair. But the, the, the point of it is they go and do this stupid, you know, Indiana Jones in, James Bond in running around trying to, to – all this stuff that they were explicitly told in the movie don't – do that. I have a plan. You do your job right now. We'll all get through this, which is exactly how the military works, by the way. People who were like, why did you just tell Poe with a plan? Because Poe's a pilot. Shut up and do your job. Like, <laughs> the generals don't have to take their time to explain it to everybody. And uh, if they had just done their job, everybody would have been fine. But instead, they go there. They try to do thing A. They fail at it. They meet a guy, and it's like, oh, Benicio del Toro is going to be, this is going to be the Lando that's going to save them. He's even got a cape on. He's going to be the Lando that saves him, the cool guy, the 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 gun runner that's going to save him, Han Solo style. Oh, no, he actually is just in it for the money. He doesn't care about any of this crap, and now they're captured. Like, it, the whole point was to say these these grand heroic gestures are stupid, and then they really tried to drive that home with Rose at the end, stopping Finn, and that didn't work. That was stupid. But uh, I don't know why they kissed. That was weird. But, like, it was still. The whole yeah, point I mean, of it was to not be a Star Wars movie and to force Star Wars to grow up. And then then they when they hired, when they brought J.J. Abrams back, and David will attest to this, I said, this movie's going to suck. And it, <laughs> it absolutely sounds like it does. I mean, yeah, so I, I guess we can talk on this now. So Might we haven't well. seen it, any of us. We've all not seen it, but the reviews are in, and pretty much that's what they're saying, that this movie, you know, leans on nostalgia too hard, doesn't try anything new, it's trying to please everybody, which uh, apparently, Corey Thone, you are not surprised by at all. Which uh, isn't no, exactly a hot take, but... No, you know, not at all. I don't think no. it is. There's but, huge fan service has been paid in this movie. I, I know all the... Because of the Reddit culture that we have now and the leaks and all that stuff, I'm not going to say anything about the movie. But I will say this: it is fan service 100. There's really, it's kind of vanilla for Star Wars, and I'm a fan of like Rogue One. Rogue One 
worked so well because it was not Star Wars, typical Star Wars. There were no Jedi. Um, there was no Force. Well, you had you. I take it back. You had you had the Force with Darth Vader, but other than that, there was nothing else like that. So you had like Vietnam War in space, and so that's yeah. why it worked so well, right? Here, yeah. here was my, I sent you guys this this clip quote from a review earlier. Uh, Star Wars was modeled on John Ford's The Searchers and Akira Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress. The current quote-unquote content has more in common with the last update on your PC's operating system. Have fun watching the gray bar complete itself. Oh. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I said it before that I'm not a giant Star Wars fan. I, I, I didn't go into the last one expecting it to be revelatory. I thought it was fun. I, did, I was surprised when I saw all the other stuff. But I, I'm not surprised that a giant multi-billion dollar franchise is going to play it safe. That's what they want. But it doesn't matter because you know what Star Wars franchise is a lot of fun right now and oh. is having a good time with itself and is brand new. I mean, it's not the Baby Yoda show. The Baby Yoda <laughs> show, which, again, is not like it, 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 it's, it's, it's like what they're doing is amazingly fresh. And we've never had an adventure story before. But just the fact that there are new characters and new stakes and nothing's foretold and they can just have fun mixing and matching new stuff. I don't know about you, but I think it's more vital than any Star Wars thing I've ever watched. And Dan, you and I watched the episode. I'm, I'm and I want to know badly what happens next. That doesn't happen very often. No, I watched it too. Okay, so like, I, I, I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, but like today's episode was the most adult episode of of the series to date. Mm. And this are, are there boobies in it? Yeah, well, no, like, like it's just, just like just like scary totally. things and like oh. uh, there's like killing going on, like that actually happens in the episode. And you're like, oh my god, this actually happened on the Mandalorian, and I still was fixated on Baby Yoda the entire time. So like, you know, like oh my god, Baby Yoda's hanging upside down. I love it. I mean, there's <laughs> there there's action movie killing. It's not like it's blood and guts and sex and horrible stuff. Um. But Baby Yoda did force choke somebody, and that was pretty dark oh, for a second. Vicious when he did it too. That was that was great. Like that honestly was kind of surprising to me that they would go there. Um, I don't know how deep the show is going to go. It's not a particularly deep show, but it is. But it a doesn't lot of have fun. to be. I know. It doesn't have to be. Like just let it be a simple show about a bounty hunter guy. Exactly, um, and it is, and it, it's embracing its simplicity, and I think that's a a wonderful thing. And it's kind of embarrassing for the Star Wars movies right now that it's so good and so much fun. You know, what's so bad is though. Um, and I'm not really going. I'm not circling back to the rise of Skywalker. I'm just going to kind of briefly mention it here. The show, the movie's already made 450 million dollars in pre-sales. Is that what they said? Have I seen that That's number? That's the It's not target the number. Okay, well, so they're they're close though. Is what, I, is what I'm getting. So like, they're. They're already like they're gonna make a lot of money from the movie, and obviously we know that doesn't equate a great movie or even a good movie. It'll probably be entertaining because it's Star Wars and there's lots of flashy bright lights and they're bringing back characters that if you watch the old movies you know who they are and blah 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 blah. But you know I think the consensus. Among the uh, quorum of white guys that we have here, is um, that it's actually not good for the for the 
the Star Wars cinematic universe, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I almost said the Skywalker saga, but we know that ends with this movie too. So, um, Smith, I, I've been interested to hear what you... Sorry about that. My cat walked across my laptop. Oh. Um, so I completely totally cut out. But Smith, I wanted to hear what you had to, what you thought about Mandalorian today. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of the same as y'all. I liked it a lot. I, and especially because it was one of those episodes that tied back um, to the previous ones. Um, I think the last, I don't three. know what. Three. Was was it only three? Yeah, I felt three like it was four. I thought it was four or five, but yeah, I mean, they were all just kind of standalones and he'd stop someplace and, you know, pick up snacks and solve somebody's problems. And then he was off to the next, he was off to the next, you know, stop. And, um, you know, this one was kind of nice to see it kind of tie back to the, to the original couple episodes, the, the first couple episodes, um, and it was cool to see some stormtroopers actually know how to shoot. Um, that was fun. Um, or, the, yeah, so those were the death troopers that What's-His-Face had in Rogue One, right? Yeah, Krennic, yeah. Okay, cool. That's what I thought. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like it, and I, I am interested to see where it goes because this is the first episode where, where, like, there's a cliffhanger to it where, you know, some stuff happens and it's not resolved in one episode. Um yeah. So I like that, and I, yeah, I mean, I hope they just keep making shows like this. I, I don't, I've never understood why in a, you know, because especially in Star Wars, like in Watchmen, at least it's, it's confined to mainly the U.S. and A. Um, but in Star Wars, it's literally a galaxy far, far away, and you have spaceships that you can fly all around the galaxy, and we just focus on the same people, family? and it, the same family. And it's like, there's so many other stories that we could be exploring on a major and a minor level. I mean, you can do That it. was one of the best parts of The Last Jedi was make was like, you know, Ray's parents aren't anyone important. And that's yeah, the so good. point. Man. Right. Broom Boy. Broom yes. Boy was one of the best parts about The Last I Jedi. I love Broom Boy. Yeah. yeah. So... I just hope that they do. I mean, I, and we've got the the Cassie and Andor series um, coming up in 2020, right? So, I think that one's probably going to skew a little bit more towards the major events, the Skywalker saga. You know, we'll kind of, mm-hmm. but but still, it's like you've got so many. Op- you know, like why don't we just stay on one planet? You know, and watch some events unfold on that planet that only matter to that planet. You know I, mean? I don't think you're thinking like a Hollywood executive. I mean, I, this, is, this is all a battle to people like things they've seen before. That's the operating principle behind all the biggest entertainment products of our time. Marvel, Star Wars, everything. Yeah, but the, but every, the other... All the reboots. That, that's what they do. That's what, okay. They don't want to do something new. That costs the, money. That takes risk. Right. And because the flip side of that is that at one point or another – Star Wars itself was a risk, you know, and yeah. I think, yes, people want to see what they have seen before to an extent, but also I think people don't know what they want until they see it a lot of times. And you can put a new product out there like the Mandalorian or like Star Wars, the original trilogy, and it's stuff they haven't seen before and it's different. And it, yeah, it's, it, it doesn't have to be risky in the sense of like, 
pushing new ground, but it's just, it's, it's a little bit different. You're not retreading the same ideas. And when you've got a universe as gigantic as Star Wars, you literally have an unlimited playing ground to just run any kind of storyline you want. Well, I mean, and look it, at, look at I, Marvel and, and look what, look at the turn they made in stage three, four with the one with Ragnarok and Black three. Panther. Yeah. That, that leading up to infinity war and Endgame, the yeah. spider, Spider-Man and all that. They, 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 those movies are very good. And part of the reason is the ambiguity of the villains, the the gray area there, or in Ragnarok's case, the absurdity of it all and the huge character turns that that movie took down Comedy Avenue. And, you know, a lot of that, I think, is Marvel or Kevin Feige, Feige. Feige, Feige. Um, Kevin F. <laughs> and, and those guys. Kevin F. That guy. Trusting creators. Like, and that's. Disney Star Wars has clearly never trusted a creator so far because, right. you know, say what you will about Solo, and I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? But uh, I was fairly excited when they hired the guys from 21 Jump Street. Lord Miller. Like yeah. a movie, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, I liked those movies. I like that kind of, like, stupid humor, the fast-paced jokes. I like that kind of stuff. I'm on board. And... You know, the cast, I don't really know much about the main guy, but Donald Glover and everything. I was like, all right, yeah, whatever, cool. What do you hear else? Let's do this. Listen, man, I will say this. Solo, for for if you could take it outside of the Skywalker saga that's supposedly tied into from the outside, you could take that and say, okay, here's a movie about um, uh, a space a cowboy. It's a heist, yeah, and it's fun. It was fun. I enjoyed um, it until the last not, three minutes. But oh, I my point the is, is that they <laughs> they hired they hired those directors knowing their entire back catalog, and then were like, "Wait, they're making this kind of stupid, guys!" And it's like, "Well, no, that's why you hired us, right?" No, you're fired. <laughs> and it's like, "What the hell?" And uh, now I know that there was supposed to be more than that going on behind the scenes, but look, if you want to make, and, and I mean that's kind of J.J. Abrams is the king of entertain entertaining nonsense i guess sure. but if you you know i look at like the jurassic park movies with chris pratt and it's like yeah if you want someone to just shut up and do what they're told hired hire colin trevorrow which is what which they, they wanted did. to do yeah this is what they wanted to do with this movie yeah it's planned enough blows my mind because <laughs> of everything that smith just said you have got this beloved deep rich universe not universe galaxy that you can play around with, and the most you can think to do is bring back the Senate, pun intended. Like there's, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, like I seriously, that's just so lame. Just the lamest, most boring shit you could take. And again, it comes down to trusting creators, and I don't think that Disney, Star Wars, Kathleen Kennedy, whatever, I don't, they don't do it. But if you just turn, and I think I've said this on this podcast before. But if you just took like fifty million dollars, nothing to them, and said, "Hey, uh, I don't know, hey Guillermo del Toro, what are you doing next year? Want to make a Star Wars movie? Write a script. Write a script. Pitch it to us. I if just, it's she would be desperate to do that. I, I, I just, will say, I just nerdjizzed everywhere. Thanks a lot, Corey. Phone. I appreciate it. you. Just I mean, do that with anybody. Do that. Do that with with Spike Jones. Do that with uh, I'm. Just, do that with weird. Do it with Taika. Like just say, hey, 
well, what do you want to do? Like, have that, you ever had you, about doing that? And it make it's a one off. This is not a trilogy. This is this is yeah. you know, Andrew the pilot. I have uh, yeah. two points about that. So it, it, I, I, obviously, I guess I comes on everything you said. We all want innovation. We all want cool stuff. I mean, I think, but again, like the, the reason those phase moves were so good, Thor Ragnarok, so off the wall. I mean, Hollywood is a struggle to get something interesting made. It always is. The the knee jerk reaction is to, well, yeah, but who would buy a Funko Pop of that? Like that's just what the what what the guiding thing is. I think part of the reason they could make like a Thor Ragnarok was because even though that was, that was an off the wall great movie, at least they knew Thor would sell. Um, like they, they established that by that point to get someone to trust someone enough to do something different, because there's always the chance that you might make Apple TV Plus's post-apocalyptic Jason Momoa is blind drama C, and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's it's a fair insane. point. That's what people are afraid of. Hollywood is, again, I'm, I talk like I'm in Hollywood, I'm not. Um, <laughs> people would prefer to do reboots because it's the stakes are so much lower, the potential reward is so much less, but the risk is so much less. People are not risk takers. You're going to give them their money. And I mean, I think it, it's so easy to sit here, and of course I agree with all this. Yes, do more interesting stuff. Spend $100 million, something really cool and different. I just, I just don't think that's the reality. People who are the purse strings, they want a sure thing, and a sure thing isn't real. That's a, that's a fantasy. They can't have it. But they think it's real. They think if they reboot Bratz or whatever, that will be a better return on their investment than doing something new and innovative. And they might be right, because you might get Thor Ragnarok, or you might get C. Well, okay, so I was going to say this before we... we... That was a great rant, by the way. Uh... No, David, your mic is, like, down your throat. What? Is that better? Are we... Whatever, just wrap it up. Okay, so like I was gonna say this, my 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 final comments are this. So, um, you had Gareth Edwards and Ron Howard from the standalone movies in Star Wars. You had J.J. Abrams for two movies. You've had Ryan Johnson, and that's your directors. You have no females. You have no people of color directing movies in Star Wars. Look what DC Universe did with um, Patty Jenkins. Um, so there's your big, there's, there's a big, there's, there's a big step that Star Wars needs to take with its next movies, the new movies that they're doing. They've got to step outside their comfort zone when it comes to creators. I love the points you made about, um, not trusting their creators. That is something that Kathleen Kennedy has not done. Um, and you know, Kevin Feige. And, and I, might- I hate to interrupt, but I, I want to say this because I think maybe she had started to with Ryan Johnson. And the nerd blowback on that movie mm-hmm. was, even though critically and financially it was a success, the minority nerd blowback on it, which, I mean, it, was a, it wasn't like a 1%. There were a lot of people upset. But blowback on it was loud enough that they clearly heard it. And well, so they pivoted I, away from it. But I would just say, like, I'm much more forgiving of an original movie than I am of like retread like the force awakens yeah sure. you know what i mean like i will forgive silliness or plot holes a lot more readily in an original film that is trying to do something different but doesn't quite get there 
than I am of like the Force Awakens, where it's just basically a shot for shot remake or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, and I think I might be on the record, Smith, talking with you about Force Awakens and saying, yes, it was a shot for shot, a New Hope. I'm okay with it for the first movie because we right. haven't had a haven't sure. had a good Star Wars right. forever. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, unique, and I, then and then it was that's like a unique then, situation. Right, and then Ryan Johnson's going to come in and he's going to, you know, he's going to make a movie and then whatever the because they surely guys they have a trilogy mapped out already and they're not going to give the director ryan johnson the force awakens script and say hey there's 25 hanging threads here you need to wrap up about 20 of them and and they get mad whenever it's kind of hodgepodge anyway sorry i just get that part really baffled me i still don't understand that bit by the way i still don't get how based on like the how the news has gone it doesn't seem like they did map it out is there a word on that no, it's a fact they did not. To this billion-dollar franchise and just said, we'll wing it. Like, that happened? They let the guy from Lost come in oh. make, and make shit up that sounded cool. Like, oh, what if this happened? And they're like, yeah, where's that going to go? What? I'm over here now. Like, I don't I don't have to deal with it. And like, that's that, a yeah. JJ really sat down with Kazdin. thing to me. That... J, JJ sat down with Kazdin and his son, and that's who plotted out the, the stories. And then... They brought in Ryan and they brought in Colin at first when they got rid of Colin and it was just Ryan and JJ going forward. But yeah. And I mm-hmm. think, and I could be, this is from looking at the outside. I think Kathleen Kennedy, I think she's too sensitive to the legacy of Star Wars and not straying too far from what George Lucas created. And to a certain extent, that's a good thing. You know, you don't want to turn it into, you know, some R-rated spectacle, but on the, uh, okay, well, I'm just spitballing, but I think she does, like you said earlier, she does need to take some risks on some smaller projects. And I, I mean, if I had to guess, I think Mandalorian, she probably thought was some sort of, you know, oh yeah, Disney is saying we need to give them a show for their streaming service. So why don't you just kind of do this over here on the side? And I, Speak, you know, speaking of speaking of that, you all three have watched the newest episode, right? Yes. Did yes. you all wait till after the credits? I was in the restaurant. No. Oh there's, fuck! There's, what? There's something. At, there's something. At, seriously, there's something. Supposedly, I was told there's something after the credits that ties into the Last Jedi. Maybe. Oh shit! I gotta go. Maybe, watch and it. I could be wrong because I have to watch. Wrap, wrap it up, guys. Let's go. Come on, wrap it I'm up. Go. That. Is there a post-credit scene? <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure Smith. Am I right? Am I wrong, or am I right when I say that was Triple H fighting uh, Gina Carano? Was it? Yeah, he was a Zabrak fighting uh, fighting uh, her character. I, was, I, mean, I watched it on my phone, so I mean. I don't know. I have to go back and like watch it on my. There's a, you know, there's a once, and I've I've tried to look it up, and I I didn't really get to oh, search it very. Okay, very well. I'm sorry. So it's it is a there's a post credit scene in the Mandalorian episode seven, huh. along with an early it's an early release date for the Mandalorian episode seven this week, along with a post credit scene that's an exclusive Rise of Skywalker clip. Yeah, I saw oh, that part. Oh, okay. So okay. Whatever. Sorry, right. never mind. Yeah, whatever. Who gives a they basically clipped the whole movie at this point. Yeah, um, I've already seen like 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I hope that they start doing more stuff like The Mandalorian and they just, you know, let's let's have a show that takes place on the Wookiee planet. Let's have, you know what I mean? Let's follow someone who's a rebel 
pilot and you know what I mean just give us different stories you can do that we'll watch them I think the Mandalorian shows that people will watch something that's different and that doesn't tie into the greater you know narrative of the galaxy far far away so they will watch a show that revolves entirely around a man who has no face and a baby which is just mm-hmm. genius casting <laughs> wasn't that a movie wasn't Mel Gibson in that movie three men and the baby i mean uh, mandalorian is basically kind of a remake of uh what's it called wolf and cub have you ever seen it's a japanese series hawk and chick i've heard it hawk. i've heard it called uh star wars samurai jack yeah i mean well wolf and cub it's <laughs> wolf and cub is about a, a a ronin samurai and he's wandering around japan with his baby in a little uh stroller and he just wanders from yeah. town to town and gets in adventures and you know, the baby helps him out every once in a while or whatever. So I did I did start Rebels the other day. So Hell yeah. looking forward to getting through that. Is that okay? Because nice. I think it's yeah, all, I think it's all right. It's really good. It and it gets better as it goes, so Okay. It ages well. All right, so um, we've gone on long enough with this podcast. We've talked about The Watchmen. We've talked about Rise of Skywalker. And we've talked about The Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. Uh, the finale of The Mandalorian comes on this Friday, so tune in. No. Get caught up. No. It doesn't? It does not. Okay, I'm wrong. I'm incorrect. It's, Dan, it, drop the knowledge. They're a week, so it doesn't interfere with Rise of Skywalker. So it's, I think it's next Friday. That's what it was. My bad, y'all. I'm glad Dan was here to correct me. Um, so we've got a lot of things to look forward to going through right into Christmas, and so that should be pretty exciting. So for myself, for Dan Selke, for Corey Thelen, and Corey Smith, who was able to join us once again, we're glad you were here, Smith. Are the where we? No. Oh, okay. no. Where are we? Where are we though? Okay, so uh, that's gonna be it for tonight, guys. Thanks for listening. Vlad Mogulis. <laughs>